The show's about to start. Are you ready? This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, Dice Man Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I bring you sports from a West Side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of Hootay Nation and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I am up to 1,070-something subscribers. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Let's try to get that rolling to 2000 as fast as we can. Now this show and every show is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys, today is the day. I know we've been talking about it for three days and the man is very, very, very busy, but I'd like to uh, give for coming on the show. And that is, oh wait, that's Jeremy. Hey, that's not, I want to talk about you. Why, why? No, that's no, I wasn't. Wait, who, who, who's, who's I know you on? love me, Jeff. I know you love me. No, but you wait. Can keep on. I, Go ahead. Keep I know, on. I know this guy, this guy that's supposed to be on here like three, three days in a row. What, what's his name? Oh. Do, do you remember? I know oh, yeah, I got it. There he is. How you doing, Dave? What's up, man? Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. I'm very excited to have you on. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Glad to make it finally. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I know you're you're a very busy man. Like, like I said, I always call you Mr. Bengals. So I know you are, man, you've been the voice of the Bengals for, what, 30 years now? Give or take? Yeah, this will be, this will be number 36 coming up, yeah. 36. And then uh, 10 years, you and Dan Horde have been together, which I love you guys together. I, I think, I think honestly, that's probably been the best pairing if that in my lifetime between for the Bengals broadcast that you've paired with i like you and dan a lot together yeah dan's great he's uh he's a pro's pro every sense of the word and uh talented broadcaster his preparation is second to none so never feel like you know we're going into a game where you know we're gonna not be prepared to handle something and uh on top of that he's a great friend so it's it's very enjoyable working with dan horde 
Well, both of your uh, Syracuse, Syracuse grads, so I'm sure you, you guys got some uh, some orange you can talk about. You got orange Bengals, and then you got the Cuse, so you got a lot of orange in your life. <laughs> no doubt. Yep, I went from uh, went from the orange men to the to the uh, the black and orange with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, we both uh, both are graduates of the Newhouse School of Communications at uh, at Syracuse University, which has had you know guys like Bob Costas and uh, you know just. Ted Koppel going going in the way back machine, Marv Albert, Mike Tirico. I mean, there's there's a long list of guys that uh, came out of the Newhouse School. Yeah, so I guess if you want to ever want to get into broadcasting, you should go to Syracuse. It's probably got a, a good shot at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy, go ahead. I know you're dying to ask some questions, so go go for it, man. I don't even know where to start. I mean, you know, I don't know where to start. But oh, I, by I the get... way, Jeremy is about to faint. I, we were talking about this before the show started. We were talking to Dave, and Jeremy's literally about to faint. I can't figure out if he'd faint if he saw Dave Lapham or if he got to talk to Jeff Blake. I'm I'm not sure which one <laughs> right now. I, I'm so really, excited. I, I'm just really at a loss for words. But you know, I figure out before we go into some of the old school stuff. I guess we'll keep it new school um, for a second here. But I was just wondering, you know, we ask a lot of people this, and you are Mr. Bengal. You are you are the lap man. You are everything. And <laughs> how do you feel? Um, I know last year we revamped our defense just like we did the year before. Um, I don't know how much in the locker room or how much talk you've been able to have with many people, but what what's the feeling around the organization right now about – this year, and if we can get Burrow back healthy, game one, hopefully. Um, what what's the what's the feeling? What's your true feeling about um, what we've done in free agency, what we've done in the draft, and how do you feel about this year? Yeah, I mean, I think they've revamped a, a big chunk of the football team. There's no doubt. Last year, they redid the linebacker position with three draft picks in the 2020 draft, and then uh, this off season. They uh, did redid the back end, you know, defensive backs, all the DBs that they signed, and they had signed those the year before as well. And then in this year's draft, they have four defensive linemen, you know, added to the mix. So defensively, uh, it's gonna it's gonna have a, a tremendously different look to it. You know, I mean, really about the only guys that uh, people are, I think are gonna recognize uh, that, that go back maybe three years ago. You know Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard. Other than that, there's a bunch of bunch of new guys on the football right. team. That's interesting because, you know, I think that's probably the next thing the team's thinking about is uh, is trying to get those guys extended before yes. they come yes. into the last year of their contract. So that's I think that's the next thing that we'll see at, at some point in time is Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard, either or, and hopefully both, maybe uh, with some kind of a longer term contract extension to keep those guys in Cincinnati. But you're right. They've they've redone the, the defensive side of things. Joe Burrow's on schedule. He hasn't had any major setbacks whatsoever. So he's tracking to be able to, you know, be yeah. the yeah. one starter. I don't think you'll see him do anything in the preseason. I'm not sure what anybody's going to be doing in the preseason. True. Honestly. We might not have a preseason. Who knows? Yeah. I mean it's I I really I don't think they're going to have any OTAs. I think it's all going to be virtual. I'd be surprised. I I know they're only going to have a two-day mini camp with the rookies. Veteran players are scheduled right now. There's no real mini camp scheduled for the veterans. So, I think uh, you know, I think the union's pretty staunch in their in their thought that just do it virtually. You know, and you added a game to the schedule. It's 17 games now instead of 16. 
Uh, don't beat them up with uh, mini camps and all that sort of thing. So, and and one thing that the COVID uh, pandemic proved is, you know, you can you can do things uh, by Zoom and virtually and all those things. And and the performance in terms of numbers last year were pretty pretty positive, pretty good. So, and the injuries there were no severe injuries uh, sustained, no bigger numbers or higher percentage of a severe injury, any of the body parts. To, uh, by missing those mini camps and that sort of thing. So I I have a feeling that, you know, whenever you have something that like we went through in this country, like the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, th- things are going to change. I mean, there's a lot of companies now, all their sales meetings are going to be virtual. You know I mean? Right. I wouldn't want to be a commercial realtor right now selling office space, man. <laughs> True. Everybody's I mean, working from home. I, I mean, we're, we're literally doing a, a virtual meeting right now. That That's literally what this, <laughs> what this is. Right. So. Right. It's it's the new new technology, so it's it's cool. Yeah. Things change, things move on, and, and figure out different ways to do it. But uh, we got a couple questions here in the chat. I want to bring up here real quick. Uh, uh, William House, Dave, do you think they will we will add any more O line free agents? I'm not sure if there will be any more additions. Uh, the offensive line, you know, it's right now you've got veteran players out there that are looking to not take a tremendous haircut. You know, they don't maybe get a trim, but they don't want to get their head shaved. So right now, uh, the guys that are left out there are asking too much money for their age or whatever else uh, there is part of their package. And uh, June 1st is the big date. You know, right. June 1st right. is the new the new fiscal year as such. So everybody's salary cap, you're, you're punching into a new salary cap here and deferrals and all that sort of thing. So if the Bengals do have a lineman or a cornerback, you know, I thought at some point they might draft a corner. The fact they didn't draft a corner at all, they may be looking at some some veteran corners. Um, you know, what other positions they're taking a good, strong look at, it's hard to hard to know. But if they are serious about it, they should try to get them signed before June 1st, before everybody uh, is out of cap jail. You know, you get so many right. teams in right. cap jail now, you're not competing against 31 other teams in the NFL for a potential free agent right now. You're competing against, you know, maybe 20 instead of 31. So if you can get it done before June 1st, you know, it, it'd be it'd be prudent to do it because then everybody's back in the mix again. But like I said, I think part of their uh, they're 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 gonna they're gonna keep some uh, some some cap capital aside to try to get those extensions done. We talked about earlier. I think that's a big part of their next move in the off season, probably. Yeah, okay. like that, that, that's not like like last year because I don't think they signed Mixon till I think June or July last year. So that's where I'm kind of thinking that's about the same time frame that Bates and and Hubbard might might get done. Is yeah, I'm just, yeah. just my opinion. No, I agree with you. I think no earlier than that, no earlier than June. And uh, there've been some of it. Uh, AJ Green got an extension on the plane flying out to the opener. Uh, <laughs> year, he got an extension. <laughs> his agent and the team consummated a deal. And um, so, yeah, they'll happen. A lot of times they'll happen in training camp right before training camp. So, yeah, I think you, you, you've got the, uh, the right idea. I think as well, June, July, something like that. Awesome. All right, well, I want to get, get into a little bit of, of Dave Lapham. This is your life, you know, a little, little history uh, for people who everybody knows you as, you know, the radio guy, but and they know you played. They just, Maybe not everybody knows when you play, but you're drafted in the third round in 1974. So yep. you played from 74 to 1983. You got to play in the Freezer Bowl, and you also played in the very first Super Bowl for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Right. Question. 
like I said, I, don't, I think I told you just before the show started, my uncle was actually at the Freezer Bowl. So, right. Uncle Bob, I, I told you I'd tell him you were there. So, I know there you he, go, Bob. <laughs> he goes, he said, you know, 20 million people or, 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 or 2 million people say they're at actually at there, but there's only like 50,000 people actually at the game. But he was actually there. And you guys, and I know you've been asked this a million times, but you guys came out in short sleeves. Whose idea was that? Did you have Vaseline on, or you guys just bare armed, or, or how yeah. did, who thought of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, I was I was playing against a guy by the name of Gary Big Hands Johnson, and he was nicknamed <laughs> appropriately. He had big old muckers on him, man, and he he was a really good pass rusher. His his hand looked like a hand with five hot dogs hanging off of that, <laughs> and he he would just come up field and try to grab cloth, and then just try to pull you out of your cleats a little bit. Um, so I, I wanted to, I didn't want to have any extraneous cloth. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to have sleeves on. And uh, I'm from the Boston area, New England, originally. I went to school at Syracuse. So I'm used to cold weather. But right. boys, right. and that wasn't cold. That was, that was just torturous. I mean, you yeah. know, it's like, man, cold's one thing. That was like, whew, I can't explain it. It's almost like we're on Mars, man. It's crazy. <laughs> but, but, you know, went out and I thought, I, I'm going to just, on Saturday's practice, it was cold on Saturday, not as bad as on Sunday, but it was it was damn cold on Saturday. It was below zero, not 59 below wind chill, but it was below zero. So I went out just with T-shirt, shorts, and a sweatsuit on it. I thought, yeah, see what, see what this feels like. And it was tough. But, you know, it's not a game. You're not, adrenaline's not flowing. You're not running around as much, you know, at a practice before, day before game. So, you know, I just, I thought, well, I'm going to, Go out there and see if, see if we can handle uh, handle it without the sleeves. We all went out there, decided to go out there without any sleeves on and just wear our football, you know, uniform, football jersey. And uh, the only thing I did differently was put on a pair of socks, put on plastic bags like baggies, and then put on another pair of socks to insulate your feet. Yeah. One, yeah. Thing I, one thing I did know back from, you know, childhood days in New England, once your feet are cold, you're in trouble, man. You're done. Yes. Done. So I wanted to make sure it kept those warm. And, um, yeah, so the officials said that any exposed skin, you could put Vaseline on. So, you know, they meant face and all that. Well, I'm exposed, so we'll put Vaseline on. And, you know, league, the league rule was you're not really supposed to do that. You're not supposed to have that stuff on your arms or your, or your jersey or anything like that. But that's they, they damn near canceled that game. They almost postponed the game. So they decided to play it. So they said, okay, you know, any exposed skin – Put on Vaseline, so that then the Vaseline put that on there on the arms, and it was so cold you couldn't even manipulate the Vaseline. You know, it's just like man, <laughs> it, it, it was like just almost like trying to trying to move. Uh, I don't I don't know what it wasn't. It wasn't Tar. slick Vaseline anymore. Yeah, like a beehive. <laughs> yeah, but it but it it was uh, helpful though. I mean, you know, first pass rush you came up field and slapped and tried to grab and came right off there, and I thought this this might work out, but it was. <laughs> When he when he did give that big old swash slap, oh man, you talk about stinging oh. in that cold. Oh, oh man. I bet. And then the, the worst part of the game was uh, you go in at halftime and you warm up. Oh, then you yeah. realize I got to go back out there for another thirty minutes. Oh my god, man, this is going to be brutal. <laughs> and then you have to go back out and um, and that that was the first time I ever experienced the heated bench. You know, they put the propane tanks and heated the bench up and. Uh, I did it one time. I sat on the bench one time, and I wanted to marry it. I didn't want to leave it, you know. <laughs> over. It's like the contrast was so much. I never did it again. I just said, you know, that's 
that's too big of a contrast. I'm, I'm, I'd be better off just staying, you know, my distance away from it and just try to move around and stay, uh, stay as loose as I can that way. But that's the only game I've ever played in my life where I ran around for three hours plus and never, never came close to breaking a sweat, never even moist on the eyebrow, man. Couldn't, couldn't sweat at all. Well, if you did, you probably would have froze. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. It was that cold. So, Eddie, Edwards, Eddie Edwards had a habit of uh, taking a towel and wiping his face down when he came off the field. And there wasn't any sweat to wipe off his face, but the little tip of the towel had moisture on it, and it hit his ear, and he got frostbite on his ear, man. Oh, Crazy. my goodness. Are you kidding? <laughs> Crazy. Oh, yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine that. And I know the Chargers, they had to be just – shocked coming from California and seeing you guys run out in short sleeves like these guys are freaking nuts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, they had no shot night. That game was over before it even started. I mean, Dan Fouts couldn't throw the ball. Ken Anderson, who, by the way, should be in the Hall of Fame. And yep. we are. And I know you know Bengal Jim because you've been on a show and we I'm going up there and a lot of Bengal fans, I hope they're going up there to the jungle, to the hall on June. Um trying to get Ken Anderson and Ken Riley both into the Hall of Fame. So what? speaking of th those two guys, what, what was it like playing with Ken Anderson and Ken Riley? Like I said, both of them should be in the Hall of Fame. I know you've stated that before, but what, what were they like as teammates? They were uh, cut from the same cloth in that they weren't, um, you know, it wasn't all about me. You know, they, they, were, they were quiet and, and surprisingly quiet. For as mm -hmm. great players as they were, real humble, real quiet. Um, but had a, had a definite swagger, you know, they, they, they were confident, but not cocky, you know, so, so they, they knew they were good, but they didn't have to tell the world, you know, they were just going to let their, let their actions speak louder than words. And, uh, right. they, they were, they were both unbelievable. Kenny is, you know, Rattler, God rest his soul, just, just an unbelievable human being. Both of them are just tremendous people. That's, that's the thing about them is, uh, as, as great a players as they were. Just uh, absolute fantastic people, and uh, you know, husbands, fathers, everything that you, you you'd expect them to be, they they are. And uh, yeah, it's just it was a. I, I ended up rooming with Kenny. We were roommates for eight years, and um, just got to know him, Kenny Anderson, really well. And you know, Rattler Rattler played quarterback at Florida. And yes, yes. So I think I think that's a big reason, or one of the reasons why. He's got all the interceptions he has. I mean, 65 interceptions back in the time when he played. If you threw 25 times a game, that was a lot of throws. But Rattler understood route concepts and having played quarterback, you know, he was just reversing it. And he had the eyes of a quarterback playing in the, in the defensive uh, secondary. And he just anticipated things, broke on the football just when he should. You know, he understood route concepts and, and okay, what are they going to do? What's, what's the next progression? on that concept as the game went along. I mean, both these guys were highly intelligent football players. And the other thing about them, Paul Brown always used to talk about, you know, life after football. Like you guys are fortunate, the early stages of your working life here to be able to play in the NFL is a, is a heck of a thing, but you got a long time to work when you're done playing football <laughs> and right. prepare yourself for something. So both of those guys were huge successes after, you know, playing the game of football. And I think that would have made Paul Brown proud and, a lot of guys that Paul Brown drafted, uh, you know, had good productive lives after football in terms of, you know, making something of themselves and reinventing themselves. And uh, those two guys definitely did. Mm -hmm. 
Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, man, it's that's awesome to talk about the football part. I guess I will switch it back over to the broadcast announced part just for a second. I want okay. to let everybody know too, though. The reason we got Dave Lapham here today is because he wouldn't give me his address. So anyway, <laughs> um, as we move on, um, you know, Dave, Dave, if you would file, file a, 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 a grievance or whatever, I guess I'll, I'll back you up. I got you. <laughs> um, you know, as I, as we spoke a little bit before the show, um, you know, Bengals Weekly, you know, uh, lap in the locker room, all these, all these guys, all these characters you've been around. It's insane. I mean, you have been around so many different characters that, I mean, from meek and humble to just, what's this guy doing? You know? <laughs> so yeah. I was wondering, and I don't know if, if the rest of our viewers out there that are watching are wondering, but who is the guy that Dave Lapham interviewed, uh, was in the locker room with, maybe did a Bengals Weekly with, that you always enjoyed the most or really uh, you might have got a reputation, whatever, but just a truly good guy that you personally enjoyed being, you know, a Cincinnati Bengal? Yeah, there's there's a whole ton of them, really. There's, there's a bunch of them, but – you know, the guy that comes to mind that had a method to his madness and, uh, you know, Chad Ochocinco, you know, Chad Johnson became Ochocinco. I mean, that guy, he <laughs> took over social media in the infancy stages of social media. And he, he knew exactly what he was doing, <laughs> he how he was going to do it. He had a plan and he executed it. And, uh, and the guy ended up, uh, ended up doing, doing well by it. And he, he was, he was always an interesting guy, you know, and it, interest, you, you never knew exactly what to expect there, but uh, on yeah, <laughs> yeah, on him yeah. off the field, no, no question about it. But yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, with uh, 46 years total, um, I've basically seen or play, played with or covered just about every guy, you know, that's gone through the organization. And it's, it's mind boggling. And you try to think back on all the, all the names, you know, and it, uh, man, it's just, it, it, it's just incredible. You feel so fortunate and, and have to have, uh, you know, been able to play in the Super Bowl and then broadcast the Super Bowl covering the team. Um, you know, Boomer Esiason was always a guy that no matter what, no matter what the situation, I always respected the guy, like you said, the locker room show. That that show is tough, man. When you, you lose a tough game or you get blown out, the last thing right. guys want to do is see you walk in there with a microphone. Man, they're like, yep, yeah. no way, you know. But guys that uh, would step up in those situations no matter what, Boomer might be the top of the list. I mean, that dude always made himself available and you could – I can you know see why he went into the broadcast profession. He had a an understanding of what you know what it was going to entail, and I think he just he just got it. You know, he just understood what it what the whole thing was about, um, the relationship between the media and the football player, and all of that. Uh, you know, very very early on, uh, as far as the coach is concerned, Sam Weiss was a sheer delight, man. The dude was <laughs> I was so entertaining, and you never what to expect from Sam White. Never. And uh, <laughs> he kept everybody on their toes. His, uh, his players, his coaching staff, the media, his wife, his kids, you name it. Sam would Sam was always expect the unexpected, man. No two ways about it. 
Yeah, that, that, that you bring Sam up. That reminds me, uh, like, uh, if everybody doesn't know, you have your own podcast called In the Trenches with Dave Lapple. Man, you had Boomer on there. Yes. And Boomer was talking about the 1987 season. And I I, I was younger. I, I remember it, but not as, not that much. But I forgot all the – with the with the, 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 the strike and everything. Yeah. And, and Boomer and, and Sam going back and forth in the media. <laughs> Some of the stories Boomer was telling me were they, they tried to make up or not telling me, telling you, sorry, but where Sam and Boomer were trying to make up, and they went, it took him to a comedy club or something, and yep. Sam was sleeping in the car because he never slept. I mean, yeah. and, then, yep. and then Boomer, I think he said he held practice or something for the media or, or something like that. I, I don't even remember that story. Yeah, I mean, Sam, Sam had uh, had so his 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 mind was so fertile, man. I mean, the guy was. I, I'm not sure that he ever did sleep or if he slept. <laughs> He never went into the – he was always, what do they call it, the REM factor when you're not in the deep sleep and your eyes are always – I don't think he ever went into a deep sleep. You know, I mean, I think the guy's brain was always, like, charged up, and he, he had uh, he had some unbelievable ideas about, about everything with respect to football. And, I mean, you, you look at that team, that 1988 team with, with Sam and Boomer and Sam doing what he did, which revolutionized football. I mean, when you change yeah, yeah. Well, well, stole, stole the offense. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Changing rules basically just because what Sam was doing, right. because Sam was taking advantage, taking advantage of the current rule structure. And, um, and then to, for him, the marriage of, of uh, Sam and Boomer, for Sam to be, you know, such a deep thinker and then have a guy like Boomer smart enough to execute it all, Right. Man, that was that was uh, poetry that year offensively. That was crazy stuff. Hell, that that brings me to to uh, the other thing that that the Bengals I, the, and I'm, that's one of the things I try to do on my podcast here. Try to get the narrative out that the Bengals are a bad organization. We've never done anything and yada yada yada. But the the new age offenses came from Cincinnati. I mean, yeah. the West Coast offense came from Bill Bill Walsh, who was the offense coordinator in Cincinnati. The K gun that you know Buffalo hated in 1988. You know we call it the, the no huddle offense or the sugar huddle offense. Yep. They they stole it and took it to three Super Bowls. I mean in '88, well, didn't they like they they got a, a rule or if I remember right, in the AFC Championship game, didn't they get a rule change or something where the Bengals had the huddle or something like that? They tried to. Uh, Chuck Knox tried to, and um, he he basically. Uh, Remember, he had Joe Nash just laying down. Yes. To try yes, to slow yes, down, yes. you know, fake an injury. Yes. Just laying down, so got a knee injury, got a foot injury, got an ankle injury or whatever. And it was, it was a mockery was made. And then uh, after that game, that Seattle playoff game, where, you know, they basically went to the Seattle sideline and said, look, we're going to start penalizing you. You know, no more of that. So Marv Levy said to the commissioner, you know, if, if, you, don't, uh, if you don't do something about this, I'm going to do that and more. Nias championship game, and really the commissioner basically had to make a ruling on if Sam was going to be allowed to run his no huddle or not in that AFC championship game. And Sam was, you know, beside himself. It's like you can't take away something we've done all year long, and you know, right, and right. at this point in time, take it away. And they decided not to, of course. And uh, you you look at it, you look at a lot of the anything that's up tempo and you know multiple mm -hmm. receiver sets and everything. I mean, it, it, a lot of it goes back to. You know the late '80s when uh, was when Sam was being so creative offensively with the Bengals. I mean, he uh, he changed the game. It really it it really is uh, pretty remarkable. And you you look at uh, Sam and Bruce Costa put together great game plans. Dick LeBeau was the defensive mm -hmm. coordinator, and he was doing things uh, with David Fulcher 
that they talk about, oh, this Pittsburgh Steelers blitz package. They were doing it in Cincinnati with Fulcher. Yes. Way, way, before, way before Troy Polamalu was even born, you know. I mean, it's like, come on, man. You know, um, but, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. They, they did a lot of things on both sides of the football, very creative in that, in those years. And I, I look back at our Super Bowl season in 81. We had Lindy Infante, who was very, very creative offensively. And we had the doctor of defense, Hank Bulla. You know, who, who had a bunch of different uh, looks to blitz packages. And so when you get coaches on the cutting edge like that, and then you have personnel that can handle it mentally and physically, that's when you can be, you know, you can be really good. And uh, those those two football teams were really good. Exactly. All right. All right. The, the chat is blowing up here with questions for, for the Dave here from the draft. So I don't want to uh, – I know you got to get out of here pretty, pretty quick, so I want to get to some of these. Uh, okay. Question from I'm bringing the chili. Uh, Dave, do you think Jackson Carmen can develop into a starting right tackle, or do you think he stays at uh, at guard? Um, I wouldn't be bitterly disappointed if either happened. I know I know they're going to start him out at the right guard position. Uh, if we remember back, the fifty fifth player in his draft, Andrew Whitworth, started mm-hmm. out at the guard position as well, and Levi Jones was was playing tackle with Willie Anderson back there, back in that time. And Levi got hurt. And uh, Witt kicked out to tackle a little earlier than than was anticipated, and the rest is history. I mean, you know, Hall of Fame worthy career by Andrew Whitworth. So something like that may may happen for uh, for Jackson Carmen, or he may be so dominant inside at, at guard that they want to leave him there. And and um, you know, Riley Reef is doing a good job at right tackle, and they get through the rest of this year that way. And maybe you know. They, they develop like Deontay Jones has developed and he and Jonah Williams are the bookend tackles and Carmen stays inside at, uh, at guard or Carmen does go outside the tackle and Deontay Jones, uh, you know, Smith's inside at guard or somebody else is inside at guard. So I do think that uh, you do have some options. There is some position versatility with all of them. And I think Frank Pollock's mindset will be my best five guys are playing. You know, my best five guys are playing. And I have to figure out where, where that best mix is. And, uh, and, and and get those guys out on the football field. All right, I got one more here. Hey, Dave, with Blue. Now, if you ever watch my show, I, I'm refusing to say his name right until we get a better defense, so I call him Lou Armadillo. <laughs> but, hey, Dave, with Lou Armadillo's background, mostly being with defensive backs, what are your thoughts on the approach he takes to the D-line this year? Well, you know, I, I do think last year's D-line, it got decimated by injury, you know, and that's that's a reality. It's not an excuse. I mean, it's a reality. There were guys playing, God love them, that were literally brought off the street. I mean, it was, it was tough down the stretch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm thinking that uh, that there, there's going to be um, better players, more depth in, in the defensive line, and and that that's where it all starts, guys. You know, let, let's, let's face oh, yeah. it. It's not oh, just yeah. It's not just uh, in the offensive line. It's the defensive line as well. You know, 17 sacks last year. You think, wow, just 17 sacks. Well, you know, you have to stop the run to earn the right to rush the passer, and they were civ against the run. So, you know, they, they struggled the last two or three years stopping the run. So hopefully with what they've done in the draft and free agency, you know, signing the players that they signed up front uh, would make it – will make an impact in stopping the run, and the young linebackers will be able to – scrape and make plays over the top and uh, and then you know and then get off the field on third down so I, I do think I do think that Lou Anaruma his his philosophy is a hybrid four three three four defensive look which is a heck of a lot of teams 
in the National Football League run that kind of thing. And that requires, you know, position versatility as well. And a lot of the guys they drafted have that position versatility where they can be on the edge, kick inside the pass rush, you know, at, at defensive tackle if need be. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if there's uh, there's improvement there. But I, th- I think I think they feel like his scheme is sound. Uh, they just need guys to execute it at a higher level. That's right, Jeremy. Hey, I got one question for you, Dave, and then I know you're busy, man. Um, I can hang with you guys for a little bit. Are you, Sounds well, good. Hey, Keep man, going, Jeremy. Any, any little bit. Um, first off, we've got a ton of people that have every opinion about the draft. Mm-hmm. So here's my question to you is – how does Dave Lapham feel about the draft? So that way, if if you don't like it, they can not like it too. If you do like it, they can learn to like it because Dave Lapham likes it. So, <laughs> you know, my my opinion on uh, on the draft and and I, I the the National Football League may be the greatest marketing company in the world. You think, because, man? <laughs> they, the, the, dra- the draft is like, I mean, thirty five million people watched it. There's I find out how many uh, sports talk radio shows there are in the country because I get a million phone calls to do mock drafts, you know, for like over a month before the draft. It is crazy. But that's what makes the league great, you know. But th- there's a double-edged sword to it where, you know, everybody's a draft expert and everybody's given letter grades as soon as guys are drafted. How the hell do you know? Honestly, you know, it's like it, it's, it, it, it's a two it's a two or three-year process. You know, I mean, it's like – these, these guys, you can look at it and, and to say, oh, man, they get an A or a B. Based on what? Mel Kuyper's board? The Bengals yeah. don't care about Mel Kuyper's board. The Ravens don't care about Mel Kuyper's board. The Steelers don't. The Browns don't in the division. And then nobody else does. All they care about is their board. They're, right. they're right. putting their board together based on what they do schematically, offensively, and defensively, and what players would transition the best into it. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it than just, you know, trying to evaluate a guy based on his performance in college and, and, and put like a letter grade. I mean, to me, it's, it, it's so crazy that it, it, if I have a letter grade on a draft every year, it's incomplete until I get on the field, put hands on these guys and see if they can play and see if they can translate into, into what we're trying to do schematically, offensively and defensively. I do think that, you know, they, they invested a lot of time and, and uh, resources into it, just like every team in the league. And you just don't know. It's a 50-50 crapshoot with every round, you know. So for every success story that you can pull out of a round in a draft, you can pull out miseries. I mean, that's just that's the nature of the beast in the league. It really is. So uh, I, I think they'll probably hit on more than half their – last year, every single guy they drafted made the team. I right. thought last year's draft was really well. I, yeah. I, I like, and I'm really high on Logan Wilson, to be honest. I think this could be him and oh. Davis Gaither. I think it could be a breakout year for them. I mean, like I said, I'm no draft expert. I'm just a fan, but I like what yeah. I saw last year from those two. Well, I think, and I can speak to it, you know, and I know the game's changed a lot, but I, I still think this is this is a, uh, a truism. And from year one to year two, I mean, the light really goes on. You know, it's like, wow, the game slows down a little bit. You see things you didn't see as a rookie. You know, it's just there's an adjustment. There really is an adjustment. In, in, going against a caliber athlete. Some guys adjust quicker than others. Some guys never do make the adjustment. And that's the thing. You can say that this guy was a can't-miss prospect, you know, and boom, they miss. And here's a guy in the sixth round that 
eh, we weren't quite sure. And the guy develops into, you know, a, a great player. And right. there's just example after example of it. You know, the greatest example being Brady, a six-round pick that's won seven Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's it's crazy. But, you know, you look at, uh, you know, in the fourth round, I thought the fourth round they had – Four players in the fourth round. You, you, just, you just made my wife my wife very happy. She's a Buccaneer fan. I heard her go, woo! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, guys. When, when they made the trade in the fourth round and they got the two fourth-round picks from the New England Patriots, uh, a supplemental pick in the, in the Patriots' fourth-rounder, they, they had four guys in mind. And with those two additional picks, they got three of the four. So they feel pretty good about it. And when you look at it in the fourth round, a guy named Mike Wilson, Moon Pie, was our right tackle in the 1981 Super Bowl team, fourth rounder out of Georgia. Geno Adkins, fourth rounder out of Georgia. Domitop Pecco, fourth rounder. Clint Bowling, fourth rounder. Carl Lawson, fourth rounder. I mean, some, a lot of times, you know, third, fourth, and fifth round, that's the meat and potatoes of the draft, and that's the meat and potatoes of your football team. And if you can get additional picks where, you know, you're, you're, you're getting after the nuts and bolts of your football team, I don't think that's bad business at all, man. No, exactly. That's, that's what I loved about this draft, where they tra- they had Carmen as their number one, number two uh, offensive lineman. So they had him slated. That's the guy they wanted. And then they were able to trade back and to add, uh, what th- was it, three fourth-rounders? I'm doing it off the top of my head. I think it was three yeah, fourth-rounders. They added two more. They got two fourth-rounders from Patriots. Yeah. yeah. So to a- add multiple guys. And the guys that they got, I mean, we have a nick. Well, I'm not going to take credit for it. Jeremy has a nickname for uh, – Oh, the, what's the guy's name from LSU? Um, Big Daddy Bayou, baby. Yeah, but, that would be Tyler Shelvin from yes. LSU. So TM on that. So, TM so, on that, Dave. So, Dave, <laughs> we we give, we give you permission to call him Big Daddy Bayou on, on the radio broadcast when he makes his Anytime. first sack. You know, just it's shout out Big Strawberry Daddy Ice. Bayou. You know, I like that. <laughs> I like that. You, know, you, you look, you look at a guy like that, though. Um, man, three hundred fifty pounds. Got he's got some initial quickness. He can penetrate. He can you know, uh, eat up space in there. And he's got athleticism. Watching tape, he's never on the ground. Yeah. The dude yeah. is always on his feet, you know. I mean, you can't make plays on the ground, and he's he's not down there very often. And they, they like this kid, uh, the center from uh, Georgia, Trey Hill, that they got <laughs> in the sixth round. And this kid uh, might even project to be in the battle at the left guard position as well as center, you know, depending on, on, on what happens uh, – you know, at the center position due to injury with Hopkins, if he's able to make it back from his ACL reconstruction right at the beginning of the season, who knows? There may be, a, you know, Hill may have to get in a battle there in the mix to see who's going to play in the early stages. But, I mean, when these two went at it, Kelvin won, man. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that guy, nobody blocked him one-on-one. Right. No. Buddy, no. That's why. That's why. So, we get away from this draft, and I know, like you said, we won't. We won't know. People ask me, like, what do you think about the draft? It's like, well, on paper, I think it's pretty good. If these guys could do what they did in college, they can do the NFL. It's gonna be a great draft. But that doesn't always happen. But the more and more I've seen the guys who've gotten it, like you said, the meat meat potatoes part of the draft, the more and more I get excited. I I think we finally. This is going to be in Zach Taylor's this this third year. I think this is gonna be the most. Depth he's had on any team, and that's something that you know I've said this on my show that we have to stack talent, and I think they finally are doing that and and yep. creating competition, which competition is good. Yep. Oh, there's there's no doubt. I mean, because I don't care who you are, you're going to experience injury, and you just hope that it doesn't wipe the position group out like last year it wiped out the interior defensive line, totally wiped it out, and you hope you avoid that. 
but everybody experiences injury. So the team that has the most depth, you know, and can overcome that, um, you know, and you don't have season-ending injuries, too many of those, you lose a guy for three, four weeks, whatever it is, you have some depth, you get through that. That's that's what makes or breaks seasons, you know. That's what that's what keeps you in the hunt or, you know, or you're, or you're done. So I, I agree with you. And, you know, it, it's funny, this time of year, you don't see anybody in any team after the draft getting up in front of the media and saying, yeah, guys, boy, we screwed that one up. And after the <laughs> I, I can't believe that we – I can't believe that we had no options and we did what we did. I, and this guy has no – I mean, everybody had a great draft. And that's why, you know, until these guys show up, it's like Santa Claus came and uh, Christmas Eve and he gave you these guys. Now, when they come to mini camp, you unwrap the presents and take a look at exactly – assemble them, put them together, just like assembling the pipe. And find out if you got a player or not, man. And that's just that's just the beginning of it, you know. And then because some guys, some guys look like Tarzan in shorts and t-shirts in these mini camps. You put shoulder pads and helmets on, they play like Jane. You know, it's like they, really, they don't play. So you, you don't know until you don't know until the you know the rubber hits the road, man. Until guys start knocking heads. That, yeah, that's the thing. Is the, the North is, is no joke. This is one of the I think one of the best. Divisions in football. I with now you're probably gonna crack up laugh, but this this is what I call all the team. We got the clowns, we got the squealers, and we got the rat birds. I don't say anybody by their name. And plus, I also call the sucky niners the sucky niners because they beat us twice in two Super Bowls. So, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bitter when it comes to the. To, to, I'm a Bengal fan by live or die, so <laughs> I got I got names for every way. But since the Bengals came out with finally with the Ring of Honor, and we know that that uh, Paul Brown. And Anthony Munoz, both deserving, both of them are already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Right. My personal, and I, I, I will be, I don't say I'll be irritated if the fans don't vote Ken Rowley and Ken Anderson as the next two into the yep. Ring of Honor. Um. Yep. So my question, I kind of, and I'm a season ticket holder, so I get to vote. Um. Who do you think? And I, put it this way, you're going in someday. I, I'm just telling you this right now. Dave Lapham is going to be his name is going to be on there. I know you're modest and not going to say that. it. But you're going to be on there. You've been in this uh, this 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 team for too long. You've had too many good good memories and good years broadcasting and playing. But who do you think after Ken Rowley and Ken Anderson, who will be the next? If they just go by two, which we don't know if they're going to go by two or not, but who will be the next group you think might might go in? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I mean, I, I do think I agree with you. You know, Kenny and Kenny are, are should be in Canton. So yes. those, those yes. guys should definitely be – you know, up on the ring. And I guess um, I, I'm with you. I, there, I haven't heard anything in terms of if it's going to be four a year, two a year, if it's going to change. I, I really don't know, know uh, any of that. But, um, you know, to me, you know, at some point, Boomer's got to get in there. You know, I mean, Boomer, if you, if you, were, if you've got one to the Pro Bowl, one MVP, you had an MVP season, uh, you know, that, that, that carries a lot of weight. I mean, but then I'll look at uh, interior guys like, you know, Crumbride. After practicing against that dude, you know, every single day, oh, that, that was like playing a thousand football games. That dude, man, Crumbride was, you know, just just incredible. He changed he changed that position. You know, Fulcher changed his calls. There's there's so many of, of this of this ballot. You could make a legitimate case for, you know, oh, so oh, many, so many guys. You really can't. Yeah. So it's it's a uh, you know, it's. I think. I think it's. Uh, again, it brought me back. It brought me full circle because, like I said, played with and covered these guys, and it's like, man, 
eight of the 15 guys were in that uh, Super Bowl 16 team, the 1981 team that lost to the 49ers the first time. And, and uh, you know, I just look, look at all those guys. And, I mean, there are guys that aren't, aren't on, on the ballot that, you know, like a guy like Danny Ross, a guy like Rodney Holman. Yep. Uh, Lamar Parrish. Well, Lamar's on the ballot. Oh, Lamar is on there. Sorry. Yeah, he's on it. Yes, he but, is. I mean, there, there are so many guys in this, in this franchise. And that's what hopefully, you know, whoever the two guys that go in this year, there's two more spots on the belt, fill it with two more. And you, every year, no matter how many guys go in, they're not going to have any problem getting, you know, names to fill that ballot out for God knows how many years. I don't know if they're going to have enough space uh, for the <laughs> ring that they're going to be able to maybe have there. You know, that's, exactly. that's, the way it is. that's the way it is with a lot of teams, I guess. Exactly. Good, Jeremy. Oh, no, I was just completely agreeing with him. Uh, we, we've been talking – you know, Willie uh, Anderson a oh, little yeah. bit, you know, oh, yeah. guy like him, you know. Oh, hell yeah. Um, well, I, I think I'll put it this way. And I'll put Willie Anderson into the same reason why Ken Anderson Ken, and, and Ken Riley should be. And I think Willie should definitely be in the next round because he's another guy that I think deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And if he's not even, if he's not even in our own ring of honor, then how is the Pro Football Hall of Fame going to respect Willie even more? So to my personal opinion, I think Willie – should definitely be the next one after Ken Rowley and Ken Anderson. And then you could put Boomer in there. Or see, Chad, I think, is going to get in or earlier than some other guys should get it get in. But Chad was there, there are guys I think that have season tickets now because of Chad Johnson. You know, right. that that he made them Bengals fans. Right. And so that that's another. So the next two for me could be Willie Anderson and Chad or Willie Anderson and Boomer. And it would be hard to kick. Boomer out for Chad. It'd also be hard to kick Chad out for Boomer. But, but to me, the next one has got to be Willie Anderson, and then some somebody else. With if they do two, if they do four, or whatever they do. I uh, Willie Anderson uh, and, and Anthony Munoz. Well, Anthony, obviously, he's maybe in my mind the greatest tackle that ever played. But absolutely, uh, Anthony, Anthony and Willie are the two best tackles you know in franchise history. Period. Um, you know, end of, end of discussion. Love it. And and uh, yeah, I mean, Willie Willie is. More than worthy of being uh, in in Canton, as yes. well as the Ring of Honor and anything else you want to do with Willie Anderson. That that guy is uh, he's he's special. There's there's no question about it. But yeah, it's it when when you uh, when you think about it, it's every, every franchise. This franchise has been been around for you know 55 years or whatever the number is now coming up on um, franchises that have been around for over a hundred. Think of all the players in those franchises that, mm-hmm. that were, you know, worthy football players of whatever recognition. It's nuts, man. It really is. I mean, people people forget about everybody always talking about the eighty-five number, but I I want people to not not to forget about the original eighty-five, and that's Isaac Curtis. Yep. Uh, he he if if he played in today's game, he would have unbelievable numbers because they back in the seventies and eighties they couldn't pass like they can now. It's ridiculous. When when you when you played in the in the mid seventies, you couldn't you can't do half the stuff that that they they or they can't pass now or they pass. I'm gonna try this again. They passed way easier now than they did back then. Isaac Curtis would have unbelievable numbers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Isaac Curtis averaged over seventeen yard seventeen yards a catch for his career, not yeah. for a season, for his career. I mean, you know, he was he was just unbelievably just talent. Uh, explosive track speed, legitimate track speed. You know, Bob Trumpy 
uh, back back in the day in the in, in the in the late sixties, early seventies, Bill Walsh was doing things with Bob Trumpy at tight end that they're doing now. They're saying, oh, they're utilizing these tight ends as wide receivers. Oh, Bill Walsh was doing that back way back in the day yep. with Bob Trumpy. Bob, Bob mm-hmm. Trumpy was a was a big wide receiver. You know, it's like uh, this kid Pitts is, is a specimen. It's ridiculous. You know, he's a freak and all this, and and he's a, he's more of a wide receiver than he is a tight end. Trumpy was that kind of guy, man. I mean, they they defenses had to change the way they played. You know, to to, to handle Bob Trumpy. And when you're when you make defenses, you know, flinch or do something they really don't want to do. That's when you, you know, you're punching their counter punch. And that's when you know you have something special. Guys, I do have to, uh, I do have yeah, to think about wrapping it here. Nope, no problem, man. I, I appreciate you you uh, being on and and man. for everybody out there, check out you got two you got two podcasts. You got the Bengals Booth podcast and then the Churches with Dave Lapham. Anything else yes. that I'm missing on, <laughs> or is that it? No, it's and and, uh, and and really, I want to thank my friends at First Star Logistics for uh, in the trenches with Dave Lapham. They provide a nice big studio there over at. Uh, first star and we've had a lot of fun with that so uh yeah it's it's fun it's as you guys know you know talking with uh people in the sports world man nothing oh, better. great i love it i love it this, this has been an absolute blast i thank you so much for coming on and anytime you want to come on and big daddy bayou you can have that and if you say it in the game i me and jeremy will go flipping nuts because we'll be like we did it we, yeah. <laughs> Instead of Big Daddy Wilkinson, Big Daddy Bayou. There you exactly, go. Exactly. That's the first person I thought of when I said his name. But, dude, <laughs> hey, thanks, Dave. You were awesome. My yep. pleasure, guys. Have a great Thank weekend. You. you too. Who day? Who day, man? Yeah. Holy crap, that was awesome. <laughs> I've got to call more pages. Where'd he go? <laughs> dude, I know. I, I, dude, I could have I had more questions to ask him. I'm like, Man, I could have talked to you for another hour probably, but <laughs> that was cool. Yep, that, that was cool, man. That was about as inside as you're going to get. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to hear – well, I, I love to hear more stories about the, the freezer bowl and, and what those guys went through. And, dude, that – I mean, I remember, like I said, I was, I don't know, seven, I think, when, when it happened. But I did watch it. And I, I remember – it was so cold. I remember them breathing – and it just be smoke flowing out of their mouth. I'm just like, holy crap! How, like those guys, are, and they went out bare armed. <laughs> like that game was yeah. over before it even started. Oh yeah, I mean they were they were real men. They went out, they stuck it to them. It was over. I mean, but you're not kidding. It looked like uh, everybody had a big cigar in their mouth, and they were just hiding <laughs> in the back of their pants when they <laughs> exhaled. You know? Oh my gosh. Uh, but for him to give us some of that inside stuff, dude, and uh, just the Vaseline and and talking about some of the dude's big paws, you know, that that's, that's all Dave. That's Dave right there. I I, I laughed. had had, uh, hot dogs for fingers. He said, yeah, there, yeah, that's uh, hot dogs for fingers, man. (laughs) Well, that's the one thing I got to tell you is when I was DMing him back and forth and he answered me, and he for not being able to come on one of the days. He's like, uh, "Yeah, no gas today." I'm like, "Okay, I know that's Dave Lapham because that's a Dave Lapham saying." He would say something like that. <laughs> so no gas. I was. <laughs> I really hope you guys uh, like that as much as I did. If you missed any of it, like I said, it's going to be on the channel, and if you want to listen to it, I'll be posting it on the podcast later on tonight. But I just want to thank all the Facebook groups that we're live streaming on right now, and if you guys are watching the. This on any Facebook group, please make sure 
you go to my YouTube channel, Sports Strawberries, please subscribe. I would greatly appreciate it. We're at 1,070-something subscribers, so please subscribe. Uh, I'm trying to get to 2,000 as fast as I can. I want to thank the favorite groups. They are Hootay Nation, which is a great Bengals group. Cincinnati Reds, riding third, heading for home. Bearcat Country, the Ohio State Bucknuts. The Ice Bar, which is just a show page that uh, me and Jerry do silly TikToks, silly memes, and we just it's a virtual bar. You hang out and you talk. And then you follow me on all my social media platforms, all under sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, where I have 1,048 likes and 1,046 followers. I'm on Twitter at Jeff A. Trenopole. I only have 517 followers. Should I get that up a little bit? If you're on Twitter, check me out. Follow me. I'm on Instagram, also under Sports Strawberry Ice. TikTok, it's Iceman90. And like I said, I'll be pulling a sound off later on tonight. And we're at YouTube. Like I said, YouTube, you guys are awesome. 1,070. And I wanted to tell, I wanted to tell Dave the way we ended the show. See, we, I, I could have had more stuff. I had way so much more stuff to ask him. I want to tell him how we, how we, uh, in the show because he was broadcasting the, on the radio that game when when uh, Sam Weiss goes, you don't live in Cleveland, he you was. live in Cincinnati. He I would I would have loved to, to to ask you like, what was your reaction to that? Because I know me when I watched it, I, I got up out of my couch. I'm like, yeah, that's right, get him. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he will uh, flip it around, watch it tomorrow just to check out how he looked. And oh, uh, sure, oh yeah, yeah, I'm totally sure Dave Lobby's watch my show again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can see how we looked on the ice show. You know, we got to see what what's, what's going on. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it is almost six thirty. What do you say we uh, roll on out of here? Man, great show. It's a great show, bro. So, how do we normally yeah. end it, Jeremy? Okay. What, what, well, what do we normally say? Huh? What, are, we, you just, are we? See, done? look, people. See, look, he, people. He's lost all train of thought. This, this are is Jeremy. Was Jeremy's, I'm waiting for Jeremy, Dave. Jer- Jeremy is still in fandom. He's just like, oh, I talked to Dave Lapham. Where, where's, where's Dave? Dave? Where's Dave? Where's Dave? Hey, Dave, where'd you go? Dave, I'm coming after your address, Dave. Anyway, <laughs> um, end it already. Let's get the hell out well, of here. If you want out of here, bro, we will get out of here if we have to because this was an awesome show, you guys. And there ain't nothing else to say other than, as always, remember everybody all together and one thing only. And that is, you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati, and we just had on Dave freaking Lapham. Who day? Wait, did we? Or was that was that just a dream? Did we start yeah. drinking? We, we had oh, we did. We had Dave Lapham was actually on our show. Hold on. Did Wait, we? was he? I think so. He was. Holy crap, he, he was. was. It's on the show. That's so cool. <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hootie, let's go, Reds. Shogo Akiyama's back in the lineup tonight. Let's kick some Cleveland Indian ass. And as always, you guys have a great weekend. And that's just sports, baby. See ya!